Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My name is Knives Monroe. Today's episode is brought to you by SavageStock.net. My good friend, Luke Newman, runs and operates SavageStock.net. And the content that he's created and curated for the website has been used by some of the world's largest companies like Adobe, DGI, Panasonic, Samsung. So if you're a filmmaker, your videos are incomplete without the Hollywood quality and the affordable 100% royalty-free content that is on SavageStock.net. 100% royalty-free, 8K footage, 4K footage, HDR footage. Almost every single clip is available in HDR upon request. So visit SavageStock.net and get some royalty-free stock footage for your videos. You know your YouTube is completely incomplete without Savage Stock stock footage. Get yours today. Thank you very much for listening. You're going to love my guest, Luke Newman. Let's just get right into the show. Welcome to the show. This is Knives Monroe, and with me today is Luke Newman. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, Knives. Dude, thanks for making it on the show. I kind of wanted to start just by saying you and me had been wanting to do this for a few months, but it was just never in the cards for me. My life is complete chaos, man. And uh, are you comfortable <laughs> with me saying real briefly like the exchange that we had? Yeah. You know, I told you just the absolute truth, and I was like, dude, my self-esteem hasn't really been there lately. Yeah. To, there are some days, I don't know how I get out of the car. You know, there are just <laughs> yeah. a couple of days ago, uh, I was at the store. I couldn't, I couldn't pick shoes. I couldn't buy shoes. I need some. I just yeah. was there at the store for two hours, and I was like, nah, I can't do this. And I left, and my son, who's 13, was like, I'll help you. We went back, and he picked them out for me. I was like, I couldn't do it. So doing a podcast... I just wanted the environment to be perfect. I wanted it to be yeah. perfect. And I'll tell you right now, it's not even perfect now. But you just being so understanding and being like, hey, man, I've been there. You yeah. Know, that accountability really meant a lot to me. Most people would be like, man, fuck this guy. You know, so I really appreciate <laughs> you, you know, holding me accountable. And it means a lot. And I'm glad that we're able to do this, man. Um, I don't want to geek out, but in a weird way, and don't take this the wrong way. First, let me ask you, how many birthdays have you had? Have I? At 35. At 35. Okay, so we're almost the same generation. I'm 31. Yeah. So don't take this the wrong way, but I kind of grew up with your YouTube channel, you know? Yeah. I came into uh, came into age, like, you know, watching your YouTube stuff since, I think, 2010, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, you're OG. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I just <laughs> celebrated my 12 years on, on YouTube a couple weeks yeah. ago, so, you know, yeah. shit, it's funny. But um, I, in preparation for this, studied everything that was out there on you. So I know whatever's open source and there's a lot of water I don't want to tread. There's a lot of stuff I don't want to get into. But just okay. for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, you have a way bigger following than, uh, than I do. So I doubt that's the case. But why don't you tell us what your backstory is, where you come from and what you're all about? Yeah. Um, so I'm from Oregon. Um, I was homeschooled. Uh, grew up in the country like, you know mid eighties. Uh, we didn't have cable. We had like, you know, just two channels like ABC, CBS. So like movies for me were kind of like, uh, they were like uh, a treat, you know, when I get to see a movie, it would be something I'd really cherish. Cause I, I didn't get to watch all that much stuff. Um, 
and growing up homeschooled, like in the middle of nowhere, not really in the middle of nowhere, uh, but you know, out in the country for sure. Um, you know, my imagination was kind of just like let loose. Um, and so just kind of being in my own head, which is great for a filmmaker, but as you get older, you kind of realize like, it's not a great character trait. Mm -hmm. And you know, like how you were saying, I'm just like, not being in a good headspace. It's like, I, I do think that is something most creative people should at least have some understanding of. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like to be creative, it is kind of like a prere prerequisite is to be in your own head and to kind of like come up with ideas or just, just naturally we're kind of in our own heads more than people that aren't creative all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, my parents got a VHS camera and th at that point it was kind of like, uh, I just started messing around, started like doing some stop motion stuff, just making videos with my younger sister, Hannah. Um, and, uh, it was always kind of one of those things that I never, and maybe it's just because where I grew up, but never considered it to be a career. It was always just kind of one of those things like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of do that for fun. But I would never like, you know, when there was career day in high school, that was never an option. Mm -hmm. It was always like, oh, I'm just going to do what my dad did or, you know, and, and my both my parents were creative, too. Uh, my mom is a writer. Um, my dad has played guitar his entire life. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of in the blood and it was it was instilled in me from an early age. Um, but you know, um, it wasn't until like college that I was kind of going just for a basic, you know, engineering co computer degree that, um, coding, I right? Just, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't get far enough to like specify what I was just taking like the prerequisites and how, doing, be honest. You how know? many semesters did you go to college? Uh, uh, it, it, I, it, you'd have to add up because like I'd take two classes one semester and work and then I would ditch one and then you know so probably all in all I went to maybe total like half a year or a year mm -hmm. spread out over like three years wow <laughs> that's the old college trial right huh that's the that's giving it the old college trial yeah yeah pretty much and it, it was just a community college so it was like um but I did take one business class that I actually was super engaged in, and and I feel like that helped me more than almost any anything else I ever learned in school was like one basic business class in college. Like I just I I was totally interested in it, and I didn't realize until later how it's kind of like that's a very good thing to go to school for. What did you get out of it? What's one thing um, that you can say that you took from it that was applicable? It's been a while, but like I kind of just remember some of the concepts of like I seem to remember one thing was like one of the problems you had to work out was okay you have you're you're selling ice cream and uh, there's two competing ice cream shops one of them is selling uh, ice cream at a dollar a scoop and they get a thousand customers the other one's selling them at ten dollars and they're getting a hundred so like each are profiting the same amount but is there 
a fine line in there where you can charge a little bit more than the one dollar, but still keep the thousand cut. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like the kind that kind of applies to to everything. And, and to me, um, again, I, I guess it's just sort of ignited like a like oh, I can I can make money any way I want. Really, like I, I don't need to go to school f- and work for a company. I don't need to have a job, I can kind of be creative in how I make a living. And that maybe that's what it actually, uh, maybe that's what it ignited is that idea because I had never considered starting a business or or doing your own thing as a way to make money. That's something, Um, man. That's not nothing for sure. I mean, I had to reverse engineer a lot of things business wise. I'm still not the cutthroat, ruthless business person that I want to be. It's really hard for me to ask to get paid and like, you know, when you, when you put out an invoice and you send that reminder, like, Hey, this is due. (laughs) Um, it's, it still feels a little cringy for me. I don't know why, but it's good that you got that out of it, man. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I kind of just want to stop you. I know you're going with your origin, but it kind of surprised me in a way. I don't know why, um, that you're leading, you know, what you're all about, your origin, your backstory mm. with your filmmaking creative identity. Like, would you say that's a huge part of you? I, I don't want to assume so, but that's yeah. really all I know about you. Like you, you kind of led with that. Sorry. Can you, can you repeat just like, what, what did you say? So was the first it, thing that you noticed? Yeah. The first thing I noticed with what you were telling me, you know, you were homeschooled and movies yeah. were a bit of a treat, but he started talking about the creative mind. Yeah. So I guess you must have been creative at a very young age. Like you're you're leading with that. You know, most people yeah. that I right. talk to, this isn't a, a strictly creative podcast. It it is, right. and, and you know, um, that's the baggage that I bring to the table when I talk to musicians and filmmakers and different kinds of people. Yeah. But um, would you say that's like how you identify as a filmmaker or as a creative? Like first, and would you say maybe not today? For, maybe now it's more like a father or husband. But right, right. But like. Yeah, I mean, definitely. As far as um, what I like about film, because film is a, is a weird creative outlet. I've always thought because it requires so much technical stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, like as far as how to operate a camera and all this stuff, like a painter doesn't really need to deal with all of that stuff. They can kind of just reside and just kind of bask in the creative, like they can just sit in the creative part of your mind and just operate. Mm-hmm. Whereas film, I've always felt like I need to constantly juggle between technical and creative. You've always um, felt that way. Yeah. And, and, and just because it's like, I've, I've wanted, like, I love the creative side is like what I love the most, but the, the technical side, at, when I first started doing it, I spent no time, learning the technical side. And so it was always like, why, why can't I get my stuff to look like acceptable? That, that was my, my only goal with kind of like going down the technical side of filmmaking was like, I just want it to be passable. I don't want it to be something that holds the creative part of it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a pretty long process just to, to learn the technical side of film and learn it well enough that, it was second nature and I didn't need to think about it that much. And like, can, you know, you could be out filming and I might spend five minutes of an eight hour shoot day on the technical side, just cause it's second nature. Like I know the camera, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing well enough that I'm not spending any mental energy on it. 
and so like I think that the, the creative part of my brain was definitely um, assisted by being homeschooled and kind of just like out in out in the woods, out in nature in Oregon. Um, Would you say you know, that kind of, you're an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, definitely introvert. But I mean, being homeschooled too is like you know. Uh, social skills, like I had to work on them definitely uh, as I got to school. Well, and that's, I think that's kind of why I didn't do well in school. Like I did okay, but when I finally got to school, uh, I went in like fourth grade. So it was homeschool up to fourth grade, went for fourth grade, didn't like it, mm-hmm. and then was homeschooled fifth, sixth, and seventh, and then went back at eighth through, you know, senior year. Wow. And in eighth grade, I just found that like my number one goal was to like fit in and, you know, like, of course I have a son who's going into eighth grade. I mean, I know all about that life. Yeah. And all I cared about was like the social thing because I was like, God, such a huge weakness for me that like, I didn't care about school. I just cared about like making friends, making people laugh. Like I was kind of a class clown type. Um, and you know, so I definitely came in introverted, but had to exercise like the extrovert muscle. And I, you know, spent most of my high school years just doing that, like really not being an introvert. And then it was weird, like, you know, um, going into mid twenties, definitely extrovert the whole time. And then going to film and being self-employed, all of a sudden it's a little more introvert. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of just a battle all the time, introvert, extrovert, introvert, extrovert. Do you, you know? still struggle with that? Is it a battle now? Um, I, again, I kind of just compare it to like working out. Um, if I'm out doing stuff, if I'm out socializing, if I'm, you know, doing it day to day, it's no problem. But if I'm editing and I'm kind of just like doing my own thing in my own head for a week or two at a time, then I find you know, I go out and I stumble on my words or I go out and it's like, oh shit, like haven't done this in a bit, you know? So it's, it's kind of <laughs> Dude, just like, this is so out, important you know? for people I, to hear. It, it really <laughs> is because I think, yeah. you know, you're not going to like this, but, but you're, you're an icon in the indie filmmaking community, not just YouTube <laughs> in the indie film filmmaking world. Like I put you up there with the, the Freddie W's and the Xavier Dolan's wow. and all these you know, even high art guys like the Donald Glovers. I put you up there with the Lena Dunham. Say what you will, no, about her, but I really do. On. No, a hundred percent. No, no smoke. Um, just in terms of well, impact, and also, I mean, you're a better filmmaker than the guys that I mentioned. That's for sure. The attention well, to thanks, detail. Man. You know, I caught up with uh, with Dust God. Been waiting for that to come out. It took a while. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about that. But you know, okay. I'm just like the the symmetry, the composition, the shots. Mm. The audio, the performances. I'm like, this guy has everything. It's it's a little discouraging. So to actually, <laughs> you know, people like me who are observers, pedestrians, yeah. passerbys, look at you, we put you on a pedestal. And no. it's good to actually hear you be like, yeah, after weeks of editing, I'm like, how do I get back into the swing of things? I mean, that's me too. Anytime I go out, I force myself to go out. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. I never regret going out. Yeah. I never regret going to an open mic or some sort of adventure, but it's, do you do I, that? I try, I try really, really hard. I try really hard. Yeah. People think because of the exterior, we live like such a curated life and perception is reality. People think, Oh wow. Right. He must be, they hear this podcast and they think it must be easy for him to have conversations. But 
No. When I'm out of my element, like, I can't really talk about much other than pop culture, film. Like, that's about it. You talk <laughs> about politics and stuff, and I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. You know, yeah. so to actually hear you say that is huge. I don't think anybody would yeah. believe it. And truth be told, what oh. you told me on Instagram, every, so everybody knows, it all goes down in the DM. That's a fact. When you were like, hey, man, I feel like that sometimes. I feel you. I was like, you? Mm-hmm. There's no way. I was like, he, he's just being nice, such a nice dude. But to actually hear this, I didn't know you were homeschooled. As much dirt that I tried to yeah. tried to dig, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I appreciate you saying that. I must have missed that along the way. But, I mean, you took that homeschool life and you brought it into your DIY mentality. I yeah, mean, you've just, been self, was, you've just been self-teaching since the get. For sure. Um, yeah, and I think, you know homeschooling to me, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. (laughs) Um, I probably won't homeschool my kids, but just because, you know, but I'm not knocking it. I'm saying like, there's a balance and I can see it being really hard to know what your kid needs when they need it. And my parents somehow walked that line really well, but you know, you can go too far into the introvert side of things and, that's like, I mean, I'm not going to knock homeschool kids, but you know mm. what I'm talking about, right? Kind of, sort of. I never really met anybody. You're like the first person I ever met who was actually really? homeschooled. Yeah. It's but not even, really common even, where like, I come from. I can kind of walk around and just like see a kid and go like, they're homeschooled. <laughs> Somebody told me yeah. recently that, that they can walk around and know a kid who was raised by his grandparents. I was like, whoa, I don't <laughs> have that skill. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I could spot that. But. <laughs> That's so particular. The the homeschool thing to me is like it's just the social side. It's like they they just haven't had the social um, you know workout that is high school or that is school. Um, but they have this really unique gift of maybe being super creative in in certain ways. So I'm not knocking homeschool at all, and I, I think I had the perfect amount of it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it cultivated like creativity, um, kind of being in my own head, and then I got out of it right when I needed like a bunch of social stuff, you know, right when I hit thirteen or whatever. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, self-taught man. I I kind of I kind of had you figured out when it comes to that, but I had no idea you were homeschooled. That's actually yeah. really insightful. Wow. Um, did you ever have a moment where you're like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. That's why I am the way that I am. Mm. an aha moment um i mean i you like i made films and video for fun pretty much from the get. 10 11 up through like i thought i'd i thought i'd stop in high school i thought like nah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be doing that in high school and then pete and i you happy know, birthday friend, pete <laughs> my uh, what, what was that i said happy birthday pete uh, you keep cutting out. Sorry. I'm sorry, man. It's his birthday today, isn't it? Yes, it is. Happy yeah, happy birthday, birthday Pete. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we would still get together and make movies. And up until, you know, I was like 20. Kind of half pursuing making films for fun. Um, I think one day my dad was just like kind of just tired of paying for college that I wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, he was fronting the bill for the classes mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of failing at this and I know you are. And he was kind of like, well, what if you did something you actually wanted to do? 
and and you know and just kind of getting to that mind frame of like well I mean I guess if it came down to what I wanted to do versus what I thought was the right thing to do you know what I mean like what's the smart career choice but uh, you know it's kind of just a talk with my dad going like well what do you want to do do you want to do films and I was like well hell yeah (laughs) and he was like well do it and so it's just kind of one of those moments of like I didn't realize okay like I guess I can pursue that I, I never even thought about it didn't know how how to go about pursuing it because I you know my thought and this was a different time but my thought was like well that means I have to move to LA yeah you know like that was just the first thought that came into my head like I go I guess I'm moving to LA how old were you and what year was this probably like 20 so mm-hmm. uh 2004 mm. um and so you know the the DSLR stuff was just kind of starting, but it was way out of my price range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually met my wife Marika. Um, I was still working kind of like a a uh, a job, you know, just packing packing up materials and putting them into a tote, sending them to shipping. So just kind of your average like warehouse job. Mm-hmm. Met met her there. And we just kind of, you know, instantly hit it off, um, got engaged while we were still working there. And then we each got fired and got unemployment. And I actually got fired. Like I, I injured my back playing basketball and, um, I couldn't do my job because my job required me being on my feet, walking around all day. And I had a herniated disc. So like, I, I mean, it's a pretty painful injury, especially like right when it first happens. Of course. And I could barely walk. Um, and they fired me without, they, like, they didn't want to give me unemployment. And so I kind of like fought it, um, got unemployment. So use that two months or whatever, like that I had some time to teach myself video, um, so I just started, you know, it was kind of just like a break, but also kind of got injured, which wasn't great, but also got paid to kind of just like recoup. Um, so I use that time to kind of teach myself. And this would be just like, this is almost before YouTube. So this would be, I don't know if you remember those articles where it was just like, they were like on a blog, but it was, you know, how to do this. How, here's the software. Like back then, the tutorials that we we know of now on YouTube were all in blog form. Forums, yeah. Yeah, and so I, you know, it was a little bit harder to kind of like find the information that you needed. Of course. Just from like, a, you know, I'm starting from this point. I need to know how to turn on the, the camera. Um, so, uh, yeah, at, right around that time, like trying to figure out what to do with camera – then I went to a um, – my wife and I both went to a local TV station. Like a, uh, They had some classes. And if you took the classes, then you could use their camera gear. Um, and they actually taught you uh, just basic cinematography, which was really good. And it, it was taught by a guy that now is doing some cool stuff. I don't know if you've ever heard of like the robots. They're called motorized precision. I haven't. Yeah, they're like, you know, they're like camera robots that can move super fast. They're they're like the robots that you see that produce cars, you know, like on an assembly line at Ford. They have those robots. Mm -hmm. Um, But the guy that started that company actually way back when was teaching me how to use a camera at 
a local TV station. Um, but learned how to do that and then got to use their gear for free. And so we kind of made that work and we'd, we'd borrow the gear to like start shooting weddings. So that was our start is Marika would do photography at, at weddings and I would do the video uh, using free gear that we got to rent out from a local TV station. And then right around then is like the T2i came out and that was just within our budget range. So we got that and we're still like the, the plan at that point was like, just shoot, just make a living. Like, you know, we just have to make enough to live off of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at, at one point I just decided to like upload a tutorial to YouTube um, and it got a bunch of views and, and likes and comments and stuff. And I was like, hmm. Like, okay, people, people liked learning that thing. And I only put it up because I thought it was something that I had to scour the forums for Mm -hmm. and, and teach myself. And I was like, well, that's bullshit. Like I I might as well just condense all of this and put it into a video, make it easier for people to find. So the YouTube thing kind of started from that and, you know, is, is definitely a product of luck and getting in early, I would say. Yeah. But directly from the start, it was kind of like, oh, there's something here with YouTube. I have, I have no clue what it is. And I like, I don't even think there was monetization at that point. Mm. Like you couldn't even make money. So it was just kind of like, oh, it's, it's definitely not helping pay the bills at all. But I guess I'll do it just, just because it's kind of helping other people figure this stuff out. And yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny. The T2Y, it's what started everything. Same thing for me. Um, I saw a YouTube video for someone that I want to interview on this podcast too. He's a photographer, videographer named Cody Weber. And I just saw just when YouTube, I remember when it went from 480p to 720. Yeah. And I saw this video that was filmed on a 7D and I was like, what? Yeah. And the T2I came out and everybody was calling it the 7D Junior. Yeah. And so I had to get it. I I was working at McDonald's in 2010. Ooh. I was 22, 21, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And I saved up like five paychecks and I bought the T2I. I just didn't cash my checks and I finally just bought it, bought a kit off of eBay, whatever. I got yeah. it in and uh, I was like, why doesn't my footage look like that? I didn't know anything <laughs> about focal length, shutter speed aperture depth of field I didn't know anything I was just like why doesn't it look like that so it was a very rude awakening but the t2y was the democratization of high definition quote-unquote cinematic video for youtubers for sure I don't care what anybody says it it totally was it was the gateway drug and I often see now in forums or you know various you know gear porn or photography fetishism videos and just all that you know how it is um i often see people be like what kind of camera should i buy and the truth is man nothing is going to make them feel as good as that t2i made me feel in 2010 (laughs) nothing i I tell them get a t2i you can get one for 140 bucks yeah master that and then graduate to a gh5 like if you really if you really care about this and the truth is the modern iPhone is better than the T2i probably oh, nowadays. For sure. But for sure. man, that that did change the game and I'm I'm very romantic about the Canon T2i. I still have it and I Do love you? it to death. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean I definitely like 
I haven't romanticized it about it for a while, but you know, it, it'll, it'll hold a special place in my heart for sure. If as much as a camera can, but it just like, cause people might say, Oh, the five, the Canon 5d is what started it. But it was like, that was way out. That was like 2,500 bucks. So for sure. It now we're going to start losing, we're going to start losing your average listener who is just like, this sounds like white noise to them, yeah. but just so they know, look, we're filmmakers. The truth is every, the, ca- the camera does matter, but yeah. a camera is just a tool. It's just a hammer. Yeah. And so everything looks like a nail with whatever camera you get. Like, you know, I know right. that. I think you know that too. And I remember a video that you made once again, this was like 2010, 11. It just stuck with me. Yeah. I probably only saw it once, but it stuck with me forever. You had said, and maybe you don't stand by it now, but it was just, it just really stood out from all the other content that was out there. You said, you know, use a kit lens. Like the lens doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I needed to hear that. And I was like, well, look at this guy's product. It's amazing. So much love and detail went into your work. You really mm. maximized YouTube at that time. And I could see that you were cutting your teeth. I got a fanboy a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think it's the, is it called the Brothers McCormick? The McCormick Brothers. That is one of my all-time just favorite YouTube, just non-context. <laughs> I show it to people. It is so funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be, but uh, yeah. it's so funny. I yeah. love that video. I love the music. I love – it looks like ADR to me, but it was, am- oh, yeah. it was amazing. I remember yeah. the Black Magic Lantern, all that stuff. I was so into it at the time. Yeah. I was trying to find a video because Pete um, posted on Facebook today, hey, send me something that reminds you oh. of me. And right. I was trying to find the life of Pete Dryden, <laughs> that Xbox like Madden video. I could not yeah. find it. Apparently, oh, it doesn't me, exist. Let me see if I can find it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite. That's probably my favorite. It was like DOD thirty six thirty two or something. Yep, like, yep. That was that the right number? Thirty thirty two. I was close. Um, it was that. It was like on that, and um, yeah. that was a good era, man. Like you guys were so inspiring. I just wanted to be just like you. Truth <laughs> is, I thought the T two I would fill my void. I just wanted <laughs> friends. Oh, I didn't find my no. Marika Claire. I didn't find her till two thousand and twelve. You know, yeah, yeah. But if I, I probably didn't need to spend all that money. I was just trying to fill a void. I don't know right, if you can relate right. to that, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of people always said, like, oh, you know, like, I could do that if, if I had Marika and Pete. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, but the truth is, where would you be without them? Exactly. I mean, my thing was like, okay, that's basically saying to me, mm-hmm. like, uh, if I could, you know, if I could have Marika and Pete, I could do that. It's like, yeah, but like Marika and Pete took a long time. Of, it's like a friendship. It's really like of you can't you can't just go out and grab a Pete and a Marika. Yeah, you know they're not I mean? growing you on trees. You know what I mean? It's like, what what do you expect me to say there? Like, oh, well, I guess go out and find a Pete. I guess they're a dime a dozen. Like, what you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That's a fact. Know. That's a fact. Yeah. No, that's that's an inappropriate response for sure. Yeah, send me that video. Just put it on here and I'll, I'll get it. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes because people need to watch it. It was so funny. But there yeah. was something kind of like just cinematic about it too. I was like, damn, even just for punchlines, these guys are going all out. <laughs> and that one was just spur of the moment. I think one night Pete and I were just playing video games. We're like, let's just – let's like because we were actually <laughs> probably playing video games just yelling at each other. And we're like, let's just film this because this is kind of funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so I just remember know, it was like some line that Pete was like 500 yards rushing. Well, for the whole season, yeah. but uh, <laughs> whatever it was, man, it was so yeah. funny. But yeah. I I loved what you guys were doing. I, since we kind of got here organically, yeah. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of your stuff that's out there, some podcasts and interviews, and mm. it goes so in depth about camera stuff, and I can talk about that. But the truth is, like, you got to be exhausted about that stuff by now. Yeah. 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 So I, if it, if we get into that, that's whatever. I don't really have any questions. And the truth yeah. is, like, I get those questions too. What camera should I buy? Or how did you yeah. get that shot? And the truth is, I always lie to people and I say it was my iPhone and they believe it. So it's it, it's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. But um, since we're on that note, I, I wanted to ask you about the current state of YouTube, filmmaking, photography yeah. world. You've seen the trends come and go. There was a boom in 2009, 10, 11. It was yeah. hot. It was white hot. And you were there for it. And you guys are still culturally relevant. Now, mm. this isn't a knock to Brian Connolly. I thanked mm. both Luke Newman and Ryan Connolly in my special thing. So my first feature film. And uh, you guys wow. are in my special credits. So I, wow. I got a lot of respect for Ryan Connolly. But yeah. for Film Riot, no disrespect to those guys. And I'm just calling a spade a spade. Those guys have done a lot for the DIY world. But their films and their short films and their features and all that haven't really contributed much to the culture from my perspective, just one man's two cents. The fact that, I don't know if you guys refer to yourselves to the three tremors. That's just how I remember you. Yeah. But you, Pete, Marika, what you guys are doing with Savage Stock, with Newman films, everything like how do you guys remain relevant? How do you know what to make content about? Why do you care after all these years? Yeah. Um, truth is I kind of don't, well, (laughs) I, I don't care. I don't care about like the grind anymore. Like define the grind. Um, like mm, expanding YouTube, like growing on YouTube. I just, so when did, so when did you, and what did you do about it? When did I stop caring? When did you When did you care? What were you producing? Why were you producing it? And, and how um, long did that last? <clears throat> well, like probably four years ago or something, I signed with one of those. Um, yeah, those they're like agencies. They're like yeah, they're talent agencies, yeah. but for YouTube channels. You got and, burned. It sounds like. Yeah, and they kind of you know they gave suggestions and they said, well, you know, this is the kind of stuff people like. Like if you do stuff based on video games, that always does really well. Nice. Um, and you, you know, drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, and I I tried to kind of like incorporate that while not selling my soul. You know, like because that's always been something to me. It's like I've always had a pretty hard time doing stuff that I don't want to do that I kind of think is lame or stupid or what you know like the the traditional like youtube video of just action or just whatever youtube is it's like i can't stand it and so it's always been this people need to hear this well they do yeah and they need to hear it from you because you're like a locker room leader well i would say like okay you said the relevance thing it's like definitely at a certain point, probably two or three years ago, I just got kind of fed up and just like, I deleted our Facebook page. Oh my. I, I, uh, every single tutorial that we had ever made, I made, I turned into like a paid rental. Wow. 
because I was just kind of like, I'm I'm done answering people's questions about cameras. I'm done. I di- I, I didn't even like the kind of thing. Like I I don't even like what I'm doing. Like I don't like filming tutorials. And it wasn't that I don't like sharing information. Like I love sharing information. I love. I honestly love like teaching people. Like when people ask me questions in person that they don't know how to do something with a camera, I'm just like, boo. Like I love it. But to kind of be known as like, well, it's a tu- the tutorial guy and to get lumped in with like, that's your career. Sure. Like well, that was, well, that's not what I set out to do when I decided to do this. Right. Like what I set out to do was be in the creative mode. That's right. Cause that's what I found fun. And so I just sort of found myself like I'm spending most of my time in tech mode and I, yeah. I don't like tech mode. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm decent at it. But that doesn't mean it's what I love doing. So um, I continued to do it because it's like, well, you kind of paint yourself into a corner and that's how you're making your money and providing income for like your family, right? So you can't just stop. <laughs> like you can, but realistically, it's like, well, you're just going to stop what's making you money and go do something else. Like, you know what I mean? You can do it, but... For those listening who haven't, walked a mile in those shoes and haven't been in that position, you might think, wow, that's real, you know, easy for you to say, right? Like, I yeah. think I could pivot, you know, that's what life is or whatever. But, right. you know, right. truly, I can only imagine if I was in those shoes, you know, and I, I, I don't know where you stand with, and I don't want to get all Christian-y on you, but I don't know where yeah. you stand with religion and God and everything. But I, I meditate often and I try to have conversations with God. And, yeah, you know, I often thank him for, I'm happy it didn't happen for me in 2010. Yeah. I would have been one of those guys, like, when the Logan Paul thing happened, I think that's his name. Oof, yeah. Um, when that happened, I was like, dude, that could have happened to me. Oh, yeah. I could have been sucked in and sucked down the rabbit hole and would have yep. lost sense of, of all reality and done it for the Vine or done it for the Gram yeah. or whatever. And right. and uh, I had a lot of empathy for that kid at the end of the day because he is a kid. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we made him, essentially, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. that I really started getting, not to make this about me. But I really started getting success in my late 20s, early 30s, where I already had a family. I already had uh, close enough friends to keep me normal and humble. And I had my priorities and my values and my virtues. And so I'm very lucky for that. you know. And and hearing you say this, I just have to emphasize this. It's not what I expected. But in a weird way, (laughs) I kind of did because you – you don't go back to what you love and tell stories like Dust God unless you love the game. Right. Yeah. Well, and to me, Dust God was kind of like, it just became a point of like, can I make it work while doing what I want to do? You know, to like, like I don't have to do tutorials. Like what I want to do is make movies. And so it's like YouTube's my avenue. It's the avenue I've chosen. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to pivot because it's it's doing well right like I, I found in life it's not good to burn bridges like i did that with facebook and it was like i regret that because that was a it was just a stupid immature move on my part um and i've wanted to do that so many times with youtube like ah, i just delete the channel i'm done <laughs> did you have a big you following know? on facebook at the time yeah it's probably like thirty thousand. but there okay. and it was you know i mean it was it wasn't so much the numbers. It was just like, it was a very healthy community. Like I'd post something and a bunch of people would, you know, respond. It was just, a, it was a solid community and sure. I just axed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 
Yeah, like with YouTube, it's kind of been one of those like, how can I keep doing it while also, you know, be a responsible father and adult and, and, and make smart financial decisions. Again, like the business side of things, like I just started to like that at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, well also, you know, being more selective and like, I think that's where, where we're at now is if we're going to do a story or if we're going to do like dust God, for instance, like dust God has a lot of like themes and I, that I'm pretty passionate about like right now. I need to and ask if, you, first of yeah. all, it sounds like you guys, I don't know when you wrapped, but it's, this has been years in the making. Isn't that right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we stopped about two years ago and then I just sat on it. It seems like something that you do. Yeah. Cause I'm still waiting yeah, well, for mean, the third episode of the beacon. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you get that a lot, I mean, I, but I, I, I did want to ask you, I, I saw the, the description on YouTube of dust God. Cause I was like, who wrote this? But it doesn't yeah. say who it's written by. I mean, I, you know, I wrote, I didn't, we, it's like, how do you define write if you didn't actually write a script? But like, there's, I there wrote, had to have been I a script. It. That dialogue is so tight and funny. No, that's just how Pete and I, that's why Pete's in every movie we do is because Marika so as well. Because she oh, had some Marika. great one liners. Well, she has the best Marika, dialogue. Marika, that was a script. And who wrote that? It was. I wrote that. Give yourself some fun. credit because that's an amazing <laughs> skill. That's a bankable yeah. skill, and you should pat yourself yeah. on the back for that. You guys yeah, don't give yeah. yourself enough credit for writing. I'm sure a lot of it is ad-libbed or whatever, but oh, yeah. give yourself some credit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean pretty much anytime you see me and Pete, it's ad-lib <laughs> with like the idea of sure. there's bullet there's bullet points. It's like, well, this is the story. we got to hit on these things. Yeah. But outside of that, like let's figure out – I always compare it to music. It's like there's bands that they just structure everything. They have sheet music in front of, you know, like, and then there's bands that just get together like, and just jam. And there's, you can find good stuff in those jams. And I've always been that way with, with filming, even like I never do shot lists. I never do. I do scripts, but I, they're more of like one page kind of story outlines. Yeah. Beat sheets. Yeah, and then, you know, from that, kind of figure out characters as we go. Like, kind of like, with, with Dust God, it's like, we just bought the costumes. We bought, like, I think we bought three different costume types. And then had Pete and his wife, Jamie, over for just, like, dinner and some wine. And, it, our, like, this is how weird our interactions are. But it's like, we had dinner and wine. That was like, okay, Pete, go try on these three outfits. And he'd go, he'd go into the bathroom and come out and we'd kind of judge it based on how much we laughed. Gotcha. You know, so he'd come out with one and we're kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then he, he came out with the one that we ended up using. We're just busting up laughing and he's already into care. You know, like him being in the outfit gets him in the character. So he's already kind of coming up with a voice and stuff. And then, you know, so it's like, okay, we have, this is a character right here. It's forming right before our eyes. And then, um, then the next step would be like, all right, let's go out with the camera and let's just film kind of like this guy in a location. Just kind of like, it's almost more like a photo shoot. Interesting. You know, to where it's like, let's just kind of get the camera, see how he looks on camera, get him doing different stuff. Um, and we were out doing that and we were just driving through the country and we saw a big dust devil, um, 
tearing through like this farm, this field. And we, you know, we both looked at each other and just stopped. And I, we both ran out there. I had the camera and he was just running through the dust devil, like flipping it off. And, you know, it was this total random moment, but it was kind of set up with like the character and just the theme of farming and kind of lower, lower class, you know, Caucasians. Um, That's a nice way and, to put it. <laughs> I call well, them gummos, like, thanks to Pete, yeah, who introduced yeah. me to that film. You know, that's the area we come from. Is like it's just very real to Pete and I, like that type of person. This this story, um, <laughs> and from you know, just from like one shot, is we had the character out there. He's running through a dust devil, and I just kind of watched that on repeat once I got home, and I was kind of like, okay, like okay, this, and it, then the story started to form. But it was almost from an ad lib character and like test day place that these that the story formed. That's actually wow! You just walked me through like one of your short films in your process. I would have like never the, guessed. It looks so yeah. meticulous and composed and structured and just tight. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually this is liberating for me because I work in a semi similar way. Like yeah. I don't shot list. It's really rare. I want to find it there. I film things, performances in, in one take and I want, I just want to move on. Like I don't, yeah. I just want the actor to be prepared and do their thing and just nail it in one. Like you only yeah. have in real life, you can only, you only have one shot at everything, you know? So yeah. to hear this side of you, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> Let me turn that fucker off. I had it on uh, airplane mode, but oh, whatever. Something um, came through. Yeah, no, it's all good. I think it's because of the the Mac. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's all Should good. I'm gonna on it, airplane mode. I'm gonna leave it in there. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, so, that's that's revelatory to me to actually hear you. And thanks for walking me through that process. I never would have guessed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's that's kind of how we have always done it. Like from like you were saying, McCormick. That's how that started. That was. When go get costume like the the first idea from McCormick was just like what about drunk Irish guys, nailed it, <laughs> and we're like okay let's just go get some costumes go we you know we were always out exploring Oregon so it's like what about this location what about that location, um, and then you know Pete and I we have ten fifteen years worth of ad lib experience like that's just how we used to do it mm -hmm. different characters just ad-libbing everything um so it's you know a lot of people are very uncomfortable in that's in that scenario that's um, true so uh, you know as uh, you can't really bring that to like any other shoot or or at the very least like you gotta let people know like this is how we're doing it um and it's just also how people work like marika um she does so much better when she has a script, mm. you know, like when she has a script, she like, she goes through it, she learns it. And then she starts to go like, well, how, what, what hand gestures can I do? Like, mm -hmm. how can I say this line to make it different? And it's, you know, that's how most actors kind of work. So <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I mean, do you like directing actors outside of the three tremors? Um, I do. I, I find that it's fun kind of getting to know what makes the person tick and what makes them, you know, like comfortable in front of the camera. Cause that's ultimately what I always strive for is like, I want you to be comfortable. 
so that you're delivering realism. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes I find that it's actually easier to work with people that don't have a lot of experience. I agree with that. You know, like they're more like malleable, the they're less self-conscious. Right. And the people that have a lot of experience acting, they're like, Oh, well I'm going to play this scene like this. Cause this scene reminds me of this. And this is how I played it that one time. You know, they kind of come with all these built-in ideas, which is fine. But you know, as somebody that's, has such a weird process. It's kind of hard to work with people that have a preconceived notion of what it's going to be when I don't even know what it's going to be. You know, at the end of the day, like we're, we're out there filming and it's just, who knows what's going to come out of it. Are you consuming any content? Very little. Um, and I never really, like I was saying, you know, what about music? Music. Yeah. What do you listen uh, you to? Know. Like, what are the, what's what has to be? What's like in your I don't know Spotify playlist or what's what's like the top ten revolving acts that you just have to listen to? Um, I mean, I'm 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 into kind of like more chill house electronic stuff now because I'm you know early on I used to be into heavy metal and then like who were your guys? Tool, Tool, of course, you of know, course, one of my favorite bands. Uh, Mudvayne back in the day, Soulfly. Uh, yeah, that's your gen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it took a while to figure out like music really affects my mood and I can listen to metal now, like when I'm working out or when I just want to get riled up. But for the most part, like I like the mood that the more electronic chill stuff puts me into so i'm i'm consuming that with a purpose of like this is the mindset i want to be in right now um and you know so people like uh toro imwa um you know there's uh trying to think of some other artists it's weird because we always just put on one artist and then go through the shuffle and just like all the songs i don't know a lot of the artists but that's like on pandora yeah Yeah. so that's kind of like that's the genre I'm in right now. Um, I used to, you know, I was into cinematic stuff for a while, like orchestral musical scores, but that didn't last too long. I find that they're not that fun to listen to. Hmm. You know? Sure. Um, yeah, you can't really work out to like James Horner. No, but I mean, there's a time and a place for it. Like if I'm driving around looking at stuff, it works. And, you know, it sets a mood. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place now. What about podcasts or YouTube? Like what do you have in the background when you eat at home? Uh, we are watching right now. I mean, we kind of, we watch maybe one episode a night or every other night of like something. So right now we're watching Stiesel, which is a, um, it's a show on Netflix about rabbis in Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, subtitles and everything, but like it's, uh, what I like about it is that it doesn't try – it doesn't work hard to get you to feel any emotion, <laughs> which, you know, you watch American stuff and like especially the ne- the Netflix stuff that's produced in America. And it's like it's trying so hard to get you to be sad. It's trying so hard to get you like, oh, this part's intense. You got to feel scared. Mm. Oh, this part's sad. You got to feel really sad right here. <laughs> and uh, – you know, I, I find shows that are produced outside of America, they don't beat you over the head with which emotion you're supposed to feel. Interesting. 
almost like a laugh track, you know, like the problems people have with a laugh track. It's, oh, you're supposed to laugh right now. Right. You know, you can find that same thing in almost every other thing you consume in American media. It's like you're supposed to feel sad right now, and the music is the laugh track, right? That's right. So this one, it's like sad stuff happens, but there's no sad music playing. It's kind of like, oh, a character gets sick and dies, and it's kind of like it's up to you how to feel like they don't tell you how to feel with the music and they're not overly emotional. You know, I don't know what the term would be for that. Like melodrama. I don't know. Melodrama manipulative almost. Yeah. But like right now I'm totally in love with the type of media that lets me figure out the emotions of the scene. When was the last Um, time you were affected by a movie that, that moved you the way you, you know, raising Arizona did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Racing Arizona. When was the last time? Yeah, when was the last time a movie hit you like that? Hit me. Um, let me think. Tree of Life, but that's been a while. Let me think. That was in the, you know, that was in the 2010s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, man. I don't consume many movies anymore. Is that's that you is- or is that the culture? <sighs> It's tough because it's like, well, I mean, I don't, the last time I went to a movie theater was probably three years ago. Wow. Um, and that might just be, I don't know. I, I, like I, it, maybe it's harder for me to consume it now that I kind of do it in a sense. Interesting. Right. And, yeah. And, but I, I don't consciously think that, that that would be subconscious if anything, but. How many kids do you I, have, Luke? We have one. You have one brand new baby, yeah. right? Uh, she's like 18 months. Do so. you like her? Oh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> how, how has she affected your creative work-life balance? You can't say well, she hasn't. No, no, she definitely has. But Mar- like, here's the thing. is like Marika does a really good job, and we both agreed on this early on of like Talia – and 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 the parental side, like she wants to shoulder a lot of that load, and that's not to say like I'm hands off. Like I'm very hands on because mm-hmm. I, I work from home, so like I'm always around. I'm always doing stuff. I'm always taking breaks and playing and doing stuff. But it's like um, I, I, you know, we worked it out. It was definitely a team effort to go like, well, you know, you can try to get eight hours in. Um, so it's affected it in the way of like, we have to work harder to make it work. Um, but the, the work side of things actually hasn't changed that much as far as like my perception of reality, like a 180. In what way? I just like, okay. So, um, the process of having a kid and I remember like I watched her come out, right. Of course. To me, that was like, I don't know if there's a better, like, I don't know if there's a crazier experience that you can have in life. Like, maybe watching someone die, I don't, like, Mm -hmm. but that's a totally different experience. Like, this was, I I can't even explain it, like, because she kind of had some complications early on. And uh, so I was worried the whole time. Like, I was just freaking out, but not not showing it. And wow. then uh, she came out, and but she looked really gray. Like I, I thought something, something's wrong. Did she come out crying? 
No, well, the, she came out, and there was like a split second where I like my stomach just sank because yeah. she looked gray and lifeless, and I was yeah. just like, oh, oh no. And then she <laughs> oh, took her no. first breath, and instantly, she got color in her skin, and her body kind of like shot to life in a way that was. It was just like, like she was, activated. Yeah, it was like it looked like a robot. Like that's all. I, that, to me, I was like, oh, a robot just turned on. And she started crying and I just sat down in the chair. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. And I just said that over and over. And I looked at all the doctors and I was like, you do this every day. I'm like, this is the single most like crazy experience, just circle of life coming into full focus in my brain all at once. Um, so a total like uh, life changing event. And then everything after just amazing. Like, you know, because I used to live, I used to operate under this uh, misconception <clears throat> that uh, kids come in with personality traits kind of baked in, and I don't know if I believe that anymore. Hmm, like the whole nature versus nurture thing. Yeah, I mean, I think they maybe come in, you know, they obviously come in with physical traits baked in, like, you know, the size of their brain or the size, you know, and you can change some of that. But like, emotional and personality traits like i think it's just watching her soak up every single thing we do from like mm-hmm. the, the most mundane thing how i twirl a pencil in my hand yeah all like everything she learns and everything she's gonna be is from watching us and so like that's there's no pressure, pressure in that yeah <laughs> right and so it's like you know bad traits that i have that i don't want to pass on i gotta kind of like figure out and you know it's just crazy it it makes you definitely makes you be more decisive and like are you going to be a better person or are you going to let that slide but you're definitely thinking about it whereas before you know you didn't think about any of that stuff nearly as much how has Um, it affected your your gaming life my gaming life you had it like like you're a gamer video games yeah um a lot less I mean, I, I can still find time to squeeze it. Like, cause she goes to bed early, so I can find time <laughs> late at night. Do you make it a priority? I, uh, I, I don't make it a priority actively, but I feel like it's good for me mentally. So I, I because I, like I said, I, I don't intake a lot of, um, a lot of other media. So for me, it is kind of just an escape and a, a way to kind of mentally just get out for a bit and, yeah, so I don't actively try to make time for it, but you know, it's probably a, a bi daily thing that I spend some time on later at night. And I think it's good. Yeah, I got my kids the Nintendo Switch, and my five year old picked it up real fast. So pretty soon, yeah. you're going to be playing games with her. Oh, that'll be fun! Wow, man, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's something I've kind of always wanted to ask you because as soon as I saw that, you know, Marika was expecting, and you guys had a kid, yeah. I was like. Oh, things are going to change forever, and I wonder how that's going to affect his work. Like, it's going to make him more sensitive. Yeah, you know, it's oh, going to, it's going to make sure. him softer and more. I mean, you're already self-aware, but I knew it was going to it was going to wake something up in you, and it sounds like oh, it yeah. did. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more definitely more sensitive to like the the plight of the female. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. And that, and I think that's hard, just because it's like unless you. Which which definitely should affect the art, right? Like, of course, 
Whereas before, it's like I only had a male point of view, and and everybody can say like, oh, I empathize and I and I understand. It's like you you don't really understand being a woman. No man understands being what what a female goes through, right? Like, yeah, we can say we we try and we can say we do, but I think having a daughter is about the closest thing for me. Wow. Personally, everybody's different, but for me, it's like having a daughter is like, well, I. Now I instantly like, oh shit, like I, I don't want you to be treated this way. So like, yeah, there's questions of like, do you raise her to be more girly or is that something you actively try and not do? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? In my like, culture, they're very big on piercing the baby's ears like in the first eight months of her life. And okay. I never did that. You know, it was very ingrained in my culture and I was like, eh, yeah. I'm going to let her decide that. Right. You know, that's just something right. I never thought about. But when it came my turn, I was like, yeah, I kind of need her consent yeah. on this one. She's going to figure that <laughs> yeah. out. And and still to this day, she doesn't want to do it. So, you know. Yeah. Good thing you didn't. I'm happy I didn't. Yeah. And I just yeah. never really was that conscientious about somebody else's body, per se. I know. I know. It's really interesting. Do you see yourself having another one? Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I Shocking. mean, just because it's like we've talked to enough people that were only children yeah. and you know, we, we considered stopping cause we're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend time with another kid. Like we like her too much, of course. but you know, talking to only children, they're like, no, do it. Because as a kid, you don't want to spend all your time with two grown ups. Like it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's yeah. Point. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll try. I mean, I'm not, you know, who knows what can happen, but we definitely want to have another one. Well, good luck. I believe in you. Yeah, thank you. That's cool, man. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you, Luke. Thank you. How many do you have, by the way? I have a 13 year old stepson who's going to be 14 in November, and living with a basically a 14 year old sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, you remember being 14? Like he, he's not, you know, going through. You know, I was listening to like Marilyn Manson, Tool, stuff like that. You know, like yeah. I, I went through that kind of phase and. I don't see anything like he's like a Fortnite Fortniter, you know, and all that. But um, uh-huh. I love him to death. He's great. He keeps me humble for sure. But you know, he doesn't want to be around adults all day either. No. no. And I got a five-year-old girl who, I mean, she's my hero. Like I've just, you know, you learn real quick that they get their self-esteem from you, and little yep. girls get it from their daddy. You know, at the end of the day, yep. and uh, being responsible for that is my greatest responsibility and yep. it's my first title for sure is being a father. It's my number one title. Yep. Everything else comes yeah. second as you know, but for sure. I'm so grateful for them. And, uh, man, you and Marika have spent at least 10 years together. Yeah. We, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Mazel tov. What's the secret? <laughs> I got six years. Uh, um, man, I, I would say, Learning to look in the mirror, right? Like, uh, learning to like, because <laughs> it, it's like when you first start and you're you're married. Generally, it's like, no, this is about you. This is about you. This is about you. Mm. You know, if, if we get in an argument, it's like, what can I? What did I do? Can I do it better? And then over time, it's like, it's it's like the universe naturally pushes people to be more selfish as they get older. I don't know what it is. But you get complacent, you get, you know, you just kind of get in your routine and, and, and you lose sight of it. And I think the hardest thing 
is to just like remember to put yourself in their shoes and to put yourself in other people's shoes of like, why is she, okay, you get in an argument or you, or you get in a fight and it's like, it's so easy to go like, yeah, but I'm, I'm mad because you did this. And it's like, yeah, but what did you do? Like, what did you do to get this here? Cause you both, you didn't go zero to a hundred for nothing, you know, like That's right. she didn't go zero to a hundred for nothing. It's like you did something to escalate it and then she reciprocated, escalated it. And then you did. And that's generally the progression for like 95% of the fights or disagreements in relationships. So it's like understanding that you play an equal part and just trying to not lose sight of that. Cause that's, it's naturally wants to go away in your mind, you know? Of course. So wow. I feel like, you know, do you, do you guys fight? No, we, we, it's one of those things like we, uh, truthfully, no, no, we like we've, I've been in relationships that, that have fought. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's definitely like, the most it is is kind of like a disagreement. Of course. And even that's very rare. It's like, and everybody always says like, oh, that's a bad thing in relationships. It's like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. <laughs> you know, like we, we just work together in a way that's non-confrontational, which is good. When you guys disagree, how often is she actually right? Um... 50%. It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you know, that would be the hope. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I'm happy to hear that. Relationship, you'd hope I wasn't wrong. You know, one party wasn't wrong 100% of the time because that wouldn't be good. I feel like I'm wrong 75, 80 <laughs> most of the time. But that's why, yeah. you know, she's like my consigliere. Like, I'm like, what right. do I do here? And she's like this. And it's, and she's usually right. Right. And, and I, yeah, I do, I do feel like just relationships on the whole. It's like, I always kind of boil it down to, uh, you know, you, you are who you are and it's hard to change kind of big personality traits. You can, you can work on them, but I think the key to finding a good relationship is going like, where are you at on the spectrum? And you need to find somebody that's like, let's say you're 65% um, alpha male, right? Sure. It's like, well, then you should probably find somebody that's this much percentage on the other side so they can pull you back to the middle, Yeah. right? And and they can just perfectly balance the shit that you do wrong or the shit that you do right, you know, accentuate the stuff that you do right and help kind of pull back the stuff that you do wrong. That's Um, the key. Yeah. You guys are so compatible or so it appears. And I mean, she's a creative person as well. Yeah. Yeah. So she's people that hurt tend to think like each other, tend to like each other. For sure. For sure. And I've, I've often thought like, man, if I had married, mistakenly married somebody that was like, Oh, career woman. Right. Like I, I would have never been able to keep doing it. Mm. No way. Because it's like, if she's bringing in like a consistent income and I'm just farting around on YouTube, it's like that realistically would end in divorce or me having to stop after about a year. Wow. You know, realistically. That's realistic. Yeah. So I heard who I believe was your little girl in the background. So I don't want to keep too much of your time, and I appreciate (laughs) it. But I just want to uh, kind of come full circle and end on what 
because I feel like I didn't let you finish um, what the current state of YouTube YouTube is. And yeah. like I said, it was hot in the heyday, the DSLR boom, and yeah. the digital boom. And, and I kind of feel like it made a comeback in the past two, three years. And yeah. it's hot again. And everybody's a photographer, but he's a videographer yep. and everybody wants to do that. And tutorials are yep. back in vogue and all that shit. Yep. So yep. where do you stand in the eye of the hurricane? Do you care? And no. Do So tell me more about that. So I – like to me right now, the current trend is super annoying. Um, and how would you because, define it in your words? Huh? How would you define the current trend in your own words? Um, I think it's very, uh, I want to know if we have the same internet. Whoa. So what is the current trend I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say just the trend of like travel videos and morph cuts and, and, (laughs) and oh my God, like the, the tutorials or the vlogs where people just unrealistically use their hands because that's what they've been told to like. If you're going to be a YouTube personality, you got to be moving your hands 24 seven. And so they're, you know, I, I, once I noticed that, it's like, I cannot get it out of my head. Interesting. Great. Now I'm going to think about it. I've never thought about it until now, <laughs> but their hands are just always going like, Oh guys, what's up. And, the, and they're just doing shit with their hands. That's not natural. It's just, it's almost like they're having to tell themselves, keep those hands moving or else you're not going to be a real YouTuber. Interesting. Um, but I think like what I don't like about it is it's it's almost like an assembly line. It's like everybody that's popping up and the and the content that's coming out is like following a blueprint mm-hmm. of like it's got to be this length, it's got to be this thumbnail, you've got to use your hands when you talk. You got to get music from music bed, bro, and it's like mm-hmm. it's all the same songs and all the same content talking into the camera with a wide angle lens and like you can just see it. It's like they all went to the same film school and there's no originality mm-hmm. and there's no almost like, I mean, it's hard. Like I, I actually tried doing a consistent upload schedule and, and doing a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Like it, it does take creativity. I'm not going to say it doesn't take creativity because it's actually really hard work and it's, but it's like I just kind of can see through it for what it is, and it's just a play to make money, which is fine. I, like I have no problems with anybody making a living doing YouTube, but like from where I stand, it's like oh, I'm I've always been kind of hesitant to follow the trend just to get views. Like I want to get views. I want to get you know I'd like to join the channel and get paid. But surely by now you know uh, the hacks to get a million views yeah. if you wanted to. Right. Surely. And so yeah, and so to me it's like I'd ra- almost rather make a defiant statement about like no, keep making shit that you stand behind, maybe that isn't um following any blueprint. And so going back to like the style of just winging it and being like a garage band that just kind of jams you know like i i feel like if you're not using the youtube channel for that then why are you even what are you doing on youtube like youtube is where you can do whatever you want so it should be kind of not following a blueprint and so you know i to me it's just kind of like i'm gonna stick to my guns and just do fun stuff do um short films that 
And the prerequisite now, like I said, is it needs to have some kind of message that I really stand behind. Um, and otherwise, I won't even like think about doing it. Um, so like Dust God, like I said, it's, it's got a message that I really care about. Um, and But it's not what people want to see. It's not the normal thing on YouTube, and so it doesn't get a lot of views. And I'm, I'm at the point now where like I don't care. To me, it's more about um, just sticking to your guns and being a um, not following the blue, blueprint or the trend. Wow! Um, I, I gotta tell you, Luke. That's why. That's why I've loved you peripherally, and that's why I had a feeling that we were gonna get along. I don't know if it's because you got that punk rock gene in you. That's just like I'm gonna yeah. do my thing. I'm gonna play my music my way. Right. I see a lot of young kids you know that look at the casey neistats and look at people like that and they're like i want to be that too and i understand that you know there's a lot of people who want to be like me who want to be like luke newman as well and who follow the nose footsteps and if they're truly in it to win it if they're long gamers i mean they'll still be here in 2030 you know they'll still be doing it i've seen a lot of people come and go and i'm sure you have too but your relevance in 2019 no film school just put out that thing right yeah. Top 10, you know, most relevant filmmakers of, of right now. I was now. blown away, by the and, way. And you know what? You deserve to be higher on the list. No. <laughs> 100%. And it's just one man's two cents. But, yeah. you know, you guys are still whacking away at it. I love what you guys do. I subscribe and I hit the bell and I'm always there to watch every single, every single thing that you guys do. I've bought I the presets. It, I'm completely bought in. I love you guys, man. Every single one of you. Uh, you guys make it look so effortless. You know, damn, man. Is there is there any note? Like, I hope you got something out of this. Is there anything that you want to leave yeah. on? Any advice? You know, there's those typical, you know, what would you tell Luke when 10-year-old Luke? But, you know, if you had a thesis to leave people that's some sort of practical um, application, what would you want to leave people with? I mean, I would just say, like, again, I don't know your audience. I don't know if your audience is more like traditional filmmakers, people that are – you know what I mean? Like, cause for them, I, I don't have any advice. My advice is, I guess, more for like YouTube people that are wanting to do stuff on YouTube. Cause that's, you know, that's where I've, the space I've been in for the past few years. And that's kind of what I know. But my, my thing would be like, I, th- I do what I do and just kind of like go against the trends because I do, um, I do expect a shift, right? Like we saw a shift back when, you know, the DSLR thing and then it kind of went away and then it came back as this. Like I, I do definitely think the current trend is about done and I have no clue where it'll go next, but it won't be like, if you are putting all of your efforts into being the next Casey Neistat or whatever, like you're not going, it's already done. It's already happened. Casey Neistat is already here. And that trend has been around for like, what, one or two years. And people are already like, viewers are probably already getting a little tired of it. And as soon as the viewer's tired of it, it's going to shift. And so I, I kind of think like doing your own thing, finding what makes you tick creatively and, and focusing on that versus worrying about the trends is like if you're just doing your own thing, you'll kind of ebb and flow with the trend. You won't probably be super successful, but you'll at least uh, survive the eventual like tidal wave of trend changes. You know what I mean? 
if you're good enough and if you love this enough, for sure. Right. Because you still got to be talented. You still got to take a kick in the mouth. I mean, I've had my yeah. share of failures, and I'm sure you have too. Oh, yeah. More so, than my successes. Is that a fact? <laughs> oh, definitely. You know what? We'll save that for the next episode then. We'll do a part <laughs> two, and uh, I definitely want to get into some of your failures and, uh, and things like that because yeah. that's something that I wish was in the lexicon and the conversation a lot more was – Oh, here's this time I got screwed over. Here's this time, yeah. you know, this was a, a deal that wasn't honorable. Or here's this time, oh, you know, not God. to throw anybody under the bus, but no, I could leave names out, but yeah, there's <laughs> count, countless. A hundred percent, man. Luke, thank you so much for for coming on my little podcast. It means a lot for holding me accountable. I wouldn't be the filmmaker that I am today without you. And I'm, you know, YouTube is better because. You and the three tremors exist, and I want to see the conclusion to Dust God. So you, I hope you have an ending filmed and in the can. Yes. Otherwise, yes. you're just teasing me, bro. You're just teasing me. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me on, dude. Any single time, we got to do it again. I appreciate you for sure, man. Peace. Later. <laughs>